Alrighty team, welcome back to the ATP podcast. Uh, just wrapping up on last week's podcast with Alyssa. Um, this was an absolutely great podcast, guys. Um, if you haven't listened to it, go back, have a listen. It was absolutely amazing. One of the big things I took out of uh, my talk with Liz was how already at the age of 21, she essentially went through a bit of an identity change and shift um, when she was no longer able to compete in her sport anymore, which was surf lifesaving. So when she wasn't able to uh, compete anymore in that, she had to go through a massive um, identity shift because for so long she identified as an elite athlete as um, someone that was constantly always moving, constantly always um, giving 100% and reaping the rewards of that as well. Then when Liz became unwell, she was no longer able to do that. Still has the itch and always contemplates going back, but has realized within herself that you know it's, it's possibly not the most viable thing. So she had to find out who she really was and go through that whole identity change Uh, at such a young age you know sometimes people don't experience that until their 30s 40s even 50s Um, so yeah she's been able to get through that and still persevere and still have um, all her goals and be driven in her new field and her new interests so I commend her on that but also that was a big takeaway for me Um, something personally that I went through, um, through changes in life and, you know, uh, identifying as one thing, then becoming another and finding your way. It, it was just great to, to hear that someone has gone through that so young and come out and is doing so, so well. Um, so let's get on to today's podcast, guys. Uh, episode seven with Claudia. Uh, Claudia is um, a, a dietitian. Uh, we're kind of running a bit of a theme at the moment. So we had Liz last week who was a dietitian in the making. Claudia, who has been a dietitian for some years now. Um, and, you know, we really uh, dive deep into what it takes to become a dietitian and then move down kind of the sports dietitian road. Um, and uh, a few of Claudia's um, thoughts. Uh, on some of the stuff that she does now so I don't want to give too much away guys but look this is going to be a great episode Um, it's very informational if anyone is looking into dietetics and wanting to uh, just learn more about what it takes to fuel the body what it takes to be successful and perform successfully through food um, this is a great podcast to listen to Um, and also just uh, another great story of someone that's just not working that nine to five um guys make sure as well you give us a follow at atp fitness um which is the podcast um company guys um you know we'd we'd really appreciate your support uh make sure you like and uh leave a comment for the podcast as well if you do like it give us that thumbs up or five stars uh we'd really appreciate it guys Um, And yeah, if you are enjoying the podcast, guys, please uh, take a screenshot, take a photo, tag us in it, and we'll be make sure to uh, we we share your enjoyment uh, on our socials as well. So guys, really hope uh, you um, are excited for today, uh, staying on the whole dietetic side of this uh, theme that we've got going at the moment. Um, I really think you're going to get a lot out of this podcast, and guys, uh, I really hope you enjoy this episode. I, I know you will. Um, so yeah, let's get it underway. Welcome team. My name is Josh Atkins 
and you're listening to Australia's Most Adventurous Podcast. Claudia Kramer and I'm a Brisbane based dietitian. So basically I moved to Brisbane to pursue a career in health and I did my first degree at the University of Queensland which was a Bachelor of Exercise and Nutrition Science and then I moved into my Masters of Dietetics at the same university and then since then I've been working a little bit in the field and decided I needed to do a little bit more. So I did my sports dietetics qualifications just recently and that's where I'm working at the moment. Awesome. Cool. Um, wow. <laughs> so that's Good start. Are you Are you still doing your masters or no? Sorry. Yeah. So I did my masters a few years ago, and okay. that that means that I'm technically a qualified dietitian. Yep. And then from there, that's about as high as you can go in terms of dietetics. Right. So you do need to specialize if you want to do something else. Yep. So that we didn't really cover sports in our um, degree. Okay. So I had to do my sports dietetics if I wanted to do more sports stuff. And that was alongside the masters or after no the after yep yep so oh, when okay. we finish the masters we're done we're a dietitian but clinically so more hospital based yeah and then to go into more sports things which is what i'm interested in personally uh, i needed to do a bit of extra study which was a course like a postgraduate course down in geelong uh, okay. just like an intensive course so i went down there did all the theory and then met everyone down there and did the the course there wow yeah so with um with the the dietetics as well i know um with most industries there's generally a level of uh skill that you need to maintain or courses yeah, that you need to maintain yep. is that still the same in dietetics as well definitely and there's actually a lot of it so i spent a lot of my week doing a lot of professional development as well okay. so dietetics is really quite broad i'm sure you're aware yeah. so there's like hospital based there's the everyday person could come in with gastrointestinal symptoms or they might be sports related. So there's three different fields, just for example, there's probably 50 more. So you do need to upskill yourself constantly if you want to be on top of all the research. Cool. Um, So with that as well, uh, with with the upskilling, is there a a certain level that you need to do in a certain Mm -hmm. time frame? How does that work? Yep. So basically when you become a dietitian, you have to join the association and then you have to, like most associations, I'm sure you have to uh, continually uh, get points. And so you can get these points through like public speaking, like this, for example, or through doing um, like blogs or content. So it's kind of giving back to the industry somehow or even upskilling yourself to be able to be a better practitioner. Okay. Yeah. So So it's like when you do your panels and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So all of that sort of stuff counts, and any podcasts or webinars I listen to during the week, they all count as well, which is wow. very handy. Yeah. <laughs> so how would you then? Would you just say like uh, for in terms in terms of uh, going to the the. The association, do you just yep. go like this is all that I've done and, and give them links and stuff if they wanted to verify? Uh, yeah, sort of. So they have a, an online portal you can log in and they have lots of examples of things that do count towards points. So they've already got it structured out. They might say if you uh, read a research paper, that's probably five points in this section okay. and so you've got to get certain sections you can't just do all like say reading for example yeah, you've yeah. got to do a few of different things so for my dietetics association i have to do it yearly and continue with okay. these points and then i also have to do the same amount of points for my sports dietetics because oh, they're two different right. associations yeah, yeah okay okay so and what how many points is it i'm guessing oh it sounds I'm, like there's a lot there's a lot i'm not sure exactly what it works out to be but let's say it's about 
maybe 30 to 40 hours or something like that. It's not supposed to be something that you're struggling to get because people work full time, but it's just so that you don't uh, stop your study and then never continue to learn. Yeah, definitely. The profession needs to keep going. Yeah. I feel with, so, so we do the same as personal trainers, Mm -hmm. but ours is more of a level, I guess, in reaching um, the competency for being able to be uh, insured. Mm-hmm. So, but it, it, it also has fallen by the wayside. So I'm now with a insurance company that I fall under and uh, well, body, they're called Recomp, mm-hmm. um, specializing in recomposition, but they yeah. also insure for a lot more than what personal trainers do. So okay. if you go through Fitness Australia, for example, which almost everyone is, mm-hmm. they're not, quali- they're not uh, sorry, insured for doing stuff like um, deadlifts. Oh, like really? One of the most basic movements yeah. you can do. They don't insure against that. Right. So it, it's really weird and it's dodgy. But then <laughs> you need to get your, your 20 CEC points yep. over two years. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you can get like 10 of those from doing a kettlebell course. There's only so many ways you can learn to swing a kettlebell. Yeah. So if you've been in the industry for 10 years, mm-hmm. that means you've probably done a kettlebell course five times and you've been going over the same stuff. Um, whereas what Recom do, they allow you to, they just have a small test they do at the start, make sure that you've got half a brain, so not to hurt people. And then um, they're, they're like, as a professional, you should continually develop and yep. increase, yep. which I think is good. Um, but I, I, the reason I say, say this is because with dietetics, it's such a new field and there's so many studies always coming out yeah. where things can change, yep. opinions can change, yeah. um, and new evidence-based stuff coming out. Mm. Um what has been one of the things that you've been working on currently in terms of like that may have changed your opinion or something? Like, is there anything that's really um, come out recently? Probably everything to do with gut health. So okay. I've done a few panels on the weekend that were more about gut health, more about natural medicine. Yeah. And so when I went through my degree, we don't really touch on anything about, you know, herbs or holistic anything like that it's oh, more okay. clinical yeah so very hospital based like if i went to a clinical setting this is what i would do with this patient or yep. this type of group which is really good like it's obviously really important um to be giving these people the right advice but we yeah. don't really do that other side of things like herbal medicine preventative medicine yep. um, more of your natural things so i guess my personal interest has become more towards this sort of stuff like okay. in my personal life as well And so all the research that's coming out about gut health is really, really interesting. And I think that the natural side are probably a little bit ahead in this. Research is tricky because obviously like you you can't really say something and the science not back it up. But then you might find out years later that that it was actually correct. So it's a little bit tricky, but I definitely think that gut health is a big area that's coming out to be really important <laughs> have you read julie ender's book no gut? no is it good oh my god amazing like, <laughs> just called <lot>. gut <laughs> yeah just called gut yeah so she's german um i i've got the the hard copy and the audio yeah um absolutely amazing book like how she talks about your microbiome and mm-hmm. all that and stuff that mm-hmm. i never really understood but mm-hmm. it makes so much more sense mm-hmm. and especially when my body went through the transition of being young Mm. male like as in I could eat anything and do anything and still stay lean to just one day like I think it was at 25 it was just metabolism was like see ya I'm, <laughs> I'm done. out I'm yeah, out <laughs> just decided to retire <laughs> yeah um but yeah it was just amazing as well like so uh it, it really got me on um like the kimchi um sure. all the fermentation yep. top style stuff like so kombucha and all of that yep. and she spoke about just how much um like or having a, a stable gut flora mm. can aid in performance as well definitely strictly yeah. from a, a scientific yeah. um point of view and i was like wow and 
I tinkered my diet around to allow like more fermentation stuff. I've been meaning to, but haven't got to yet getting into bone broths and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just, I've got to get my ass down to Kmart. It takes a while a, to make them. <laughs> and get a slow cooker. Yep. Um, that's my only thing is that I haven't got to Kmart yet. But yeah, like, it's amazing. Like Julie Enders, like she was a, a big gateway for me and it was very, um, it was very easy to read as well. She mm-hmm. summarized and, and all of that really easy, put it into layman's yep. terms quite well. Yeah. Um, so that was great. as a fantastic book. Um, let's take a massive step back. Sure. Um, what, what got you into uh, dietetics and food and all of that? Like what? Well, I sort of fell into it, to be honest. Okay. So when I finished school, I had no idea wanted to, what I wanted to do, but I wanted to do something that was seen as, I guess, highly regarded. So okay. I wanted to do like law or something like that. I really didn't know. And so I applied for a few things and I had a gap year. I grew up regionally in Queensland in a really small town. Yeah. And then when I was working in my gap year in hospitality, like crazy hours and going out and drinking and eating really, (laughs) really poorly and just feeling really terrible. I sort of started to personally look at my diet and notice that link between what I was eating and how I was feeling. And so I think from there, one of my housemates later on um, when I moved to Brisbane said, why don't you actually just study this because you're so passionate about it? So I didn't even think about it at all. Um, But then I applied for my undergraduate degree, got in there and realized this is pretty cool. And, um, didn't want to just finish there because I feel like it's a bit limited in what you can do as just a nutritionist so I wanted to keep going to be a dietitian and then obviously becoming more interested in sports as I got a bit older and through my degree I wanted to continue and do that as well yeah Yeah. that's it's pretty amazing that you're able to look at your diet objectively at such a young age and kind of like find that balance of where why I'm feeling this way as a as to why and what food I'm eating. Yeah, definitely. Um, were you heavily involved in sports when you were younger? Yeah, I was. So I think I was just put in everything from with my parents. So right. being in a really small town, about ten thousand people, I could just you know walk from one thing to the next thing. So I'd be doing touch swimming, triathlon. I think I did like Rocker Stedford and all those school stuff. I was in the school <laughs> band. I played piano. <laughs> like so, I was doing everything. Um, what other sports? Swimming, athletics. So just sort of a trick of all trades, netball. Yeah. Um, so I was pretty heavy into sports. And then when I moved to Brisbane, I think I just pretty well stopped everything. Like didn't know anybody when I moved here. Yep. Starting uni, super stressed out, probably, you know, coping with food a bit. And so I stopped all of my sports. And it wasn't until a few years after that that I started going into resistance training on my own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, well, that's probably why you're able to look at it objectively like yeah. being able to eat and do you did you find when you were quite active and sporty younger that it was just a matter of getting food down the hatch to be able to fuel or were you already then kind of conscious of what you were no, eating definitely not so I remember I was playing netball at a not really high level but semi-high yeah so I was playing um, in another town not where I grew up and so we'd travel do training and travel once a week and play a game in Brisbane and okay. before I went to training or to the game I'd be having like custard tarts hot chocolate <laughs> and then after the game I'd be going with my mates to go get McDonald's so yeah. I definitely didn't even have this as well before I made the link between yep. even performance and sport and so I think looking back now, I could definitely think, oh, that game wasn't so great, but maybe I should have had a better meal beforehand. So, yeah. Do you, this is an opinion-based question, do you feel that if the, the importance of what you ate to fuel your body as a adolescent 
came into play. So if we look at elite athletes now um, in, in the sporting mm. um, space, if and you look at them, you look at like kind of what they ate, they speak about, like, oh, my parents always cooked for me and it was always like wholesome foods. Yeah. They t- generally tend to eat well. Do you think that could be a link between their success? So how their body has been able to handle the adaptation moving from one level to the next? Yeah, definitely. I think something that I just see from an opinion, people who grew up in athletic households, so let's say your parents were quite athletic or represented at a high level, they might already know and be passing on these traditions of, you know, home-cooked meals or having a good meal before you train. So I think maybe... um, it's hard to say because it's all about, you know, how long you do something for too. Yeah. So how, how many hours you put into this thing. But it definitely helps <laughs> to yeah. be fueling your body correctly at that young age and, you know, not getting injured and recovering properly. And let's say you're going out drinking, that's not going to help your recovery either. Yep. So I think it does play a massive role and it would help if you had, say, a family or a support to do that for you. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, because I know when I was like, it was a matter of and being tall as well. We're both quite tall. Yep. So as you're going through those growing phases, it's just calories down the hatch mm-hmm. without even knowing it. And I remember when I first left school, um, I was working as a tradie, uh, as a chibi's apprentice, mm-hmm. and it was just for smoke. I was half a loaf of bread with Vegemite, like just constantly getting in the hatch because I was still playing carbs. Um, yeah, <laughs> rep footy and also club at the same time. So yeah. I was just trying to get as much down the hatch as possible. Yeah. Um, it didn't feel great because I just go straight into Labrador syndrome. Just want to sleep after. Yeah. Like, have the massive carb spike. And yeah. Want to uh, shoot off the bed. All right, cool. So with um, moving from small hometown into Brizzy, what made you want to move? Was it wanting to study or? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I love where I grew up. It was awesome, like great friends and everything, but it's quite limited in terms of, for me, my career path. So. Yep. The closest university was an hour away, but it didn't really have the degree that I wanted. So I did have to move somewhere else. And Brisbane seemed like a natural choice. A lot of my friends and people I went to school with do come here and end up here to do their degrees. And then maybe go back, maybe not. Yeah, so it definitely was a progression. Okay, that's really good. Yeah. Um, And then when you started your... So it's nutritionalist as the undergrad? Yeah, it's a bit confusing unless you're in the industry. So basically anyone who is a dietitian is a nutritionist as well. Okay. So it just depends on how you get there. There's lots of pathways, like you could do a health science degree or whatever. So before the dietetics, you could do any real science degree to get into it. But for me, it was an exercise nutrition science degree and that was just an easy pathway. But you do hear of people going in it into different ways to being a dietitian. Right, okay. Yeah. Is there kind of like an industry hierarchy as in like if you go a certain way you generally tend to be treated better within the industry or I think so personally so I do a bit of everything so I'm in lots of different fields at the moment I think the people that are seen as quite high regarded in the profession are those who go down more of a research type pathway okay so let's say you finish a degree you continue to build on the profession you might be researching or doing a PhD or then you might become a lecturer so I feel like that's quite a highly regarded um place in the profession and often people who work in the hospital so clinically they are doing research and it's part of their contract that you will continue to do research so um, adding to the profession in whatever field it is it's really important and I see that's quite highly regarded in the in the field cool yeah alrighty and then I guess alongside that so for me personally whenever I would think dietitian I would always think kind of put them in the same categories of physio in terms of like okay a dietitian has their own little space where people would come and seek them out 
and then that's how they would operate a business. Yep. Whereas I'm recently learning over the last two weeks that there are many, many other avenues you yeah. can go and yep. then just f- from you personally, the way that you go and, and what you do. So when you graduated from your masters, mm-hmm. what was, or actually even a step, well, after you did your undergrad, did you start working? So doing your masters while working or did you start? Oh, uh, not in the field. So I started my Instagram account, like my social media back in my undergraduate degree, just for a bit okay. of fun, like yep. just putting up photos of food or whatever I was eating, you know, no real stress. Yeah. Um, I was working in another, like in hospitality while I was doing my degrees, but I wasn't in the field as of yet. Okay. Yeah. What were you doing hospitality wise? I was a barista. So oh, okay. all throughout my, uh, all my, throughout my degrees and before when I was in my hometown, I've been a barista for years been a bartender at times but I think I prefer the early mornings and the free coffee so <laughs> so that's the <laughs> yeah. industry I prefer <laughs> yeah so coffee's been pretty big yeah, yeah yeah I love it it's really good I like meeting different people and just people who work in hospitality are really cool and they're good and bubbly and you know morning people <laughs> yeah it's yeah. always a good industry what was funny just on a side note how Bisho came into Fitstop. Like, yeah, exactly. Being a barista. Yeah, so he got sought out. He said, oh, I can do that. Do you want me to give me a job? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So I guess we'll, let's talk about um, your first job in the industry. Yep. Um, how did that come about and how has it progressed from there to where you are now? Well, it's very messy, I would guess. I would say, sorry. And I think everything has been an opportunity. I wouldn't have expected that I have I wouldn't have thought that I'd be where I am now so I've just sort of taken things that have come to me or thought that might be a really cool job and now I have a bit of a variety of work yeah so coming out of the dietetics degree most people try to go into clinical so like I was saying before there's different industries um clinicals one way you can go which is more hospital based yeah so I think I was just set just you know need to get into clinical because that's seen as the better jobs and I need to do that and that's where all the academics go and so I spent a year um in a Brisbane hospital at a like an assistant level so just kind of trying to make my way up because you don't really go straight into it um, as a new graduate as well it's quite difficult um, because there's a lot of people who want those jobs obviously so as a new graduate you don't have a lot of experience so I was working my way up through the hospitals and then someone through someone else gave me the opportunity to do um, a job in food service so so working with the kitchen in a hospital doing menu planning doing it's, it's at a really big level. So you've got to um, get product. You've got to see if this will fit the nutritional rec- recommendations and prescriptions for these patients. So yep. I was working in the kitchen, um, doing all that sort of stuff. And then that moved into more of a clinical role. Okay. So I was on the wards. So I was on a few different wards of the hospital, managing those and seeing patients. Yep. Um, and then through that, on the side, I fell into FitStop. So one of my friends was um, in my graduate degree, in my degree with me, and she couldn't do it any longer. So flicked it off to me, which has oh, been okay. the best decision ever. They're nice. such a great company. Yeah. So I've been with them for nearly two years. Um, and then through all of this, I grew my social media um, and I've been using that to see clients one on one. And also I get, um, con- I get re- uh, contacted by businesses to do product reviews or to help develop programs or to help write blogs or it's really big part of my day now is my social media stuff which I didn't really see or didn't even think that that would be possible yeah so you're one of the few that like doing good stuff on social media I think so I I really try to keep it positive (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
as long as it's not Kardashian based. No, not yet. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's awesome. So uh, I guess uh, who are the type of people, this is interesting because I had no idea, who are the type of people that are approaching you in terms of from social media? So you said product review was one. Yep. So it's quite broad. I'd say food industry are really big. So obviously people that create products. So let's say it's like a food product that you'd see. So I get contacted by companies to either try their product or give a review or who this would be good for and what patients would this be good for. Or I guess they want someone because social media is quite saturated and Mm. I feel like there are qualified people, but there's less of them, obviously. So companies try to find people that are highly qualified and they want them to give them a good review. So I get contacted by them a lot. Um, Also other professionals or people from social media contact me to help them with their projects. So for instance, I'm doing one now with a lady and a group of professionals about gut skin health. And so it's an online module. So I'm doing the dietetic bit. So I get contacted to do, to sort of consult to them in whatever field they might be in. Um, So that's just another example as well. Cool. Yeah. Are these food companies that do contact you, are they trying to break into the health food space or could it be any type of food? It's, well, I get, I say no to a lot of people and a lot of things. Okay. Um, So. Great position to be in. Yeah. Yeah. I think at the start I made the mistake of thinking, oh, they want to send me something like I have to say something about it or I have to say a positive review maybe years and years ago, but now when I get contacted, I'm really almost, I almost say no, unless I would probably use it or do use it. Okay. So it really needs to have the same values as me. I'm not going to go and promote something that someone wouldn't see me actually eat at home. Like yeah, people okay. know that I don't do this or eat that. So yeah. it needs to really be genuine and authentic. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So you would never be like approached by McDonald's to review a wrap that they have. No, well, I don't think people would know that I would eat. They wouldn't think I eat at McDonald's anymore. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so I I just wanted to make sure that it just wasn't like any random kind of food people. No, it's not really. So it's more health people. So at the moment, lots of, can I say brands? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like Perky, the probiotic drinks, they contacted me. Um, Who are they? Perky. Perky. They, yeah. So they were developed by the by UQ. They're like a drink with probiotics in it. Oh, okay. So, by the university. Yeah. UQ. Oh, wow. Yeah. So just little initiatives or people trying to break in the market. Um, so like at the moment, low FODMAP's quite a trendy thing. Have yeah, you heard of it? Yeah. yeah I've, so, heard, I've heard of FODMAP. Yeah. So there's lots of low FODMAP products. So okay. I might get contacted to see if I would recommend these to clients. And it's more people trying to break into that health space. Right. Okay. And to be perceived as a healthy product. Yeah. And then... I'm guessing they would use your review as like a stamp on their thing. So no, no, that's a bit different. That's more of an endorsement. Oh, okay. Um, so it it's just typical like influencer marketing. Like they might send it to me and it, and they might repost it saying, Claudia Kramer dietitian right, right. likes this for this type of person. Okay. Yeah. So it's more just to add to their. Um, they're trying to sell it, obviously, yeah. but it helps if it's got a positive review and I actually do enjoy it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. And then one of the other things you said, uh, it would be classes, content creation yep. for other people. Yep. So what does that generally involve? So it depends where it comes from. If it comes from the the business themselves, because I'm a little bit of a life, I'd say I'm kind of lifestyle, not really just food or dietetics. So yep. it can be other types of products, not just physically food products. So mm. For instance, protein powder. Like, so I work in a yep. gym. That's something that would be on my um, feed. Yep. So I get contacted by them. Um, so what was your question again? <laughs> <laughs> so with the content creation. So oh, yeah. Yeah. 
So they, it depends how it works. They might send it to me and I might make a recipe out of it. That's quite um, a normal one. Okay. And so I would send the photos back with the recipe and then they would have that pop up as like a feature recipe. Sure. So recipe is a big one or they might just want, you know, photos of people using it or how I'd use it in your day-to-day life. Yep. Yeah. And also, um, yeah, recipes is a big one actually. And you said with the, the ladies that are doing the gut skin health Mm -hmm. is that mainly like recipes again so like some a product they have which you would then turn into a recipe a little bit different for that one it's more of a module so people enroll in this program and they go through this um i would say like a gut protocol and it uses a lot of dietetic principles so i'm the person that writes the module that's related to what people are eating and um, the recipes yes oh awesome yeah yeah perfect and so in terms of your business that you that this is becoming yeah do you have a set rate or is it depending so like a recipe might cost this much but then writing modules might i would assume cost more because that would almost go onto an hourly basis yeah it really depends on with the client as well like what they're offering so you can often negotiate a little bit but depends i might do um, like a commission base if it's more of a project uh, a program could be commission based okay um, people who do the program or if it's content creation or recipes it's normally you give the product and then they pay you a rate to do that so right. for your time yeah 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 okay. but uh when i was starting up it was kind of just product try it out see how you go and as you get a bigger following or you become a better known brand then they sort of give you more money or give you more incentive to do this yeah 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 that's cool and it, it's interesting because i guess it can change uh depending so you really have no one kind of set business model i'm, I'm guessing definitely not no the work you're doing with uh fit stop as well so that's more of a consistent uh basis isn't it yeah in terms of you you go in for a is it two days yeah yep. yep so two days a week and then that rolls out from there so can you tell us some of the stuff that you're doing with FitStop and yeah. what you, or what you have been doing and what yep. you're continuing to do so with FitStop I go to them twice a week go into the office and I do a lot with their refine you challenge yep. so they have a challenge which is six weeks long where people can come and they do the training and follow the meal plans which are the recipes I've written as well previously and then add to them with every new challenge yep. and so I do a lot a lot of my time is spent on that because it might seem superficially that it's quite easy but it's actually not really there's a lot of work that goes into something when you're prescribing say a recipe for someone like for you it's different to me we're different muscle mass body shape etc energy um, expenditure so trying to standardize things like that as well as anything that we recommend as a brand i do have uh, a bit of a say in as well so is that the brand as fitstop or yourself yep the brand is fitstop so the team might come to me and say hey we're thinking about stocking this in locations can you have a bit of a look and see what you think or we've got two we're tossing up between which one do you like so it's a bit of liaising with the industry as well okay yeah a bit of analysis on products cool yeah um so in terms of the challenge i've seen it um and there are the four different types of meal plan so three three is it sorry um so what are they there's the Oh, because I can't remember the yep. names. So there's one that's more of a shred fat. So you would say like you're in a calorie deficit type plan. Yep. Um, one's more of a maintenance. So like an active everyday performance plan. And one's more of a muscle gain. Cool. So, yeah. so with those as well, like now I've seen like, because you've got the, the two different categories, male, female as yep. well. Um, they're, they're all very, very well thought out plan. I've seen all the, the photos and stuff as well for the recipes. Yep. Um, how do you go about 
and, and this is what I find very interesting. How do you go about? Uh, I know, I know. Oh, sorry, sorry, I'll reframe. Uh, the, the the person that buys in on the challenge, they get to choose what their goal is at the end of the day. They yeah. still have a chat with their uh, coaches and trainers because yep. some people can sometimes mistaken what they sure. want their goal to be. Yep. They've got the end picture, but it's like, well, really, you need this. Yep. They'll have that chat. How do you go writing these recipes and then giving them to the mass when we all know that uh, you know everyone's different? So how yeah. do you how do you relay that information that like if you're talking to say a female that wants to gain muscle that's five foot two and then you've got another one that's six three like yeah. how how could that information or, or what would you say now like hey guys like listen to your body or like here's calories. How do yep. you plan that out? So it's, I guess, educating the PTs as well and educating your locations. So yep. I like to give, so obviously it is a program that's to the masses, but then we do some things to try and individualize it. Yep. Obviously not every single person's coming to see me. And then that can be quite stressful if you've got individual goals, like it just can be a bit of a head game. Yeah. So it's a great start and it's a great um, introduction to like a more holistic lifestyle and, yep. and I follow a lot of the flexible dieting principles cool. so consistency over you know eating really bland and then blowing out after six weeks so yeah. it's kind of changing that mindset from you have to eat super clean to oh I can have a brownie for afternoon tea and still be on goal yeah so getting that mindset away and people often surprise when I put some things on the plan they say are you sure we can have this like is this healthy and yeah. so just getting that mind uh, set away from being super rigid and going into more of that flexible dieting approach. So you would almost say that the um, that the 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 program itself and the for the challenge, it's more of a changing the psychology for sure of how yep. you're eating as opposed yep. to follow this so you do get results. Like yeah, so it's a bit of both. Like you, six weeks is a short time, so you will see results, but then. It's, it's a bit hard to say you have to follow this to the T for six weeks and then you're done forever. Yeah. So I like to use it, um, I guess, to morph my physique over the year. Yeah. So I use it as a bit of a calorie, like I cycle my calories. So if my goal now is muscle gain, I might do performance for this one. Then I might do muscle gain, muscle gain. And then if I'm feeling like I want to shred back a little bit, I might go back to performance, performance. And I use it over the years. Yep years years and so um, that's a good way to go about it rather than I just want to do shred fat shred fat shred fat and then you've sort of haven't set you up yourself up for a good year yeah 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 I am um, I think it's amazing just it's in, in terms of um, franchises that offer a model like this yep. it's the best one I've ever seen that's good um, as well as diversity the diversity within the plans like um, I know a lot of places will just find a partner so for example a supplement company mm -hmm. and then the supplement company will write a meal plan that involves all of their really? supplements yeah. yeah so it's a massive big plug for them yeah and i guess that's probably how they work it out then there's other ones which are just extremely generic it's yeah. either muscle gain or weight loss and yeah. both times they're almost definitely in a calorie deficit yeah yeah um, definitely i've seen a few of those around. yeah so <laughs> just from what i've seen personally this is one of the best that offers a like quite a, a broad range for mm. all types of people yeah but then the results that come from that as well from yeah. consistency yeah. throughout the year um i think a lot of places only offer like maybe two challenges a year yeah. whereas is fit stop correct me if i'm wrong four yeah yeah cool it is 
So that's um, there's some really good time and, and that little bit of downtime as well in between the challenges is great to see if you're able to maintain. Yeah. Because that's what, as exactly what you said. It's changing that psychology towards food and being able to maintain through within and outside of the challenges. Yeah. And a really good thing that I see, sorry to interrupt you, no, you're right. is that a lot of the trainers who work for FitStop or the owners or the managers, they're not seeing it as, oh, it's six weeks. You have to shred fat. You have to look ripped on Instagram. They're yeah. seeing it as, okay, this person comes to my gym every day. I really care about them. Let's not put them on the shred. Let's put them on the, say the middle plan and let's increase their their strength or their fit test or it's not really that it's not all physical based so you know hats off to everyone who does that they also steer away women from going on these really restrictive dieting which mm-hmm. is not like the cultural or societal norm at the moment yep. so i really like how they do that yeah, yeah. it's it's amazing and that, that's been a big thing for me as well like um the influence that happens over social media that yep. a lot of younger women like look at people like oh i want to look like that and I always constantly commend, um, especially Australia now, with all their female sporting teams that are coming into yeah. play, so AFL, Rugby League, um, cricket's always been there. They're being great influences in terms of for what performance and physique should look like Definitely. when you are able to perform at a certain level. Um, and FitStop facilitates that with their challenges, so yeah. like making sure you're eating enough for to sure. fuel. Yeah. Um, one thing I found really awesome as well, because there's a, a very um, generalized timetable for FitStop. So mm-hmm. most locations will run at the same times. Mm-hmm. And what you've put in there is um, sort of a when to eat. So when to snack and fuel and eat for the days or the times that you train, yep. whether it's consistently or if you know I'm going to be training at this time, this yep. day and that time. Yep. I thought that was amazing. So um, how did you go about planning that? And, um, and yeah, how does all that tie in? So as you, said, as you said before, it is a more generic plan to the masses. So I'm always looking for little things that we can do to make it a little bit more individualized. So what's that next level without being so specific that every single person has to come see me? So what's that next step? So we put in this more recent concept of a fuel snack. Yep. So often we found people were doing, say, double sessions, you know, two a day and they're not recovering enough. And yeah. if they're on the challenge, they could be um, not eating enough and yep. then they probably might bounce back, you know, six weeks after the challenge. So we saw that. And so one way to combat that is to add an extra snack if you're training and to get people away from feeling like they're scared of carbs. Yeah. So carbs are the predominant snack for a pre-workout snack, like a really high GI really quick into your system, quickly absorbed, ready to go. And so some of the snacks people might, you know, like honey and things like this, um, it's good to include so people aren't scared of this type of food. Like food shouldn't be something you're scared of. You just have to use it at the right times. So using something like honey or fruit or anything that's really quick energy is perfect pre-workout. Yeah, I, uh, I saw that and I was just, my jaw hit the floor. I was just like, wow, this is cool. awesome. As opposed to what I've seen from yeah. other places. So that, that's that's awesome. And it definitely, like, when people use it right, you can see, like, and they can feel it yeah. as well. Especially yep. after a couple of weeks being into it. If they're fueling correctly, mm-hmm. um, they're feeling great. And the people that aren't, like, we can just refer straight back and say, hey, look, are you doing this? And as soon as they do it, they can notice an almost instant change. Yeah. Which is good. And, um... How did that, was that, so you said you recently changed that. How, did yeah. that just come back feedback from the clubs? No, so it was, I had sort of seen patterns of people overtraining and I was just trying to think nutritionally, how can I 
sort of capture these things in a really generic way like what's something I can do just to put it in that people think oh cool and so when I did my sports course that's when I thought what's a way that I can increase the energy on the days people are training and decrease it on the days that they're not training okay. so that's just where that came in really small little concept and I'm always trying to think of little ways I can tweak it um, to be a little bit better and more yeah. specific yeah. well yeah that's that's all I'm so glad that you saw that because that's awesome I mean yeah. the um the inconsistency otherwise and when I say inconsistency it's merely the individual's understanding of food yeah. and, yep. uh, and nutrition throughout the different clubs and throughout the industry uh, on the trainer's side yeah um, I think having something like that could just like tighten the ship and rein everyone in yeah. and say look this is amazing follow this yeah perfect and especially like if you're as you'd know if you're trying to gain muscle you really need to be eating before that session and yeah. after the session to really get that um that muscle synthesis so trying to get people away from being scared of these types of foods yeah yeah that's that's so awesome um so this is kind of just a little bit of a spanner in the works but from where you are now um if you were able to do exactly what you wanted to do money wasn't an issue location wasn't an issue in terms of anywhere in the country mm -hmm. what would be the most ideal outcome for your business and what would it look like to be honest i couldn't really fault what i do now okay uh, i really like the flexibility so every day is different it could be a different topic as well i don't really get sick of one topic and i'm always consistently learning so most of my day i could be working but let's say almost half the day I'm listening to podcasts. I'm trying to learn about different areas that I don't know about. Yep. So I feel like anywhere that I can be in that position is really good for me as a person in my profession, um, continually learning and to be able to give back. Location, hmm. Well, I don't know, somewhere on the beach, no. <laughs> um, no, I like where I am. I love what I'm doing. I'm a bit of sports, bit of recipes, bit of lifestyle stuff, bit of Instagram. So it's always different. Um, maybe working more with sporting teams or I'd like yeah. to I don't really have much experience with individuals at a really high level and I feel like that would be really interesting to get in that little niche I'm not sure which sport to be honest but even just some work experience in a certain sport around Brisbane and see how it really how we can help nutritionally because mm. often even in the sports course that I did even people who work at an elite level like I met the St Kilda dietitian and the Collingwood dietitian they sometimes don't even take it seriously and they're already at that really high level oh. so the teams don't really put a lot of emphasis on dietitians oh, the, the teams don't not the, the teams, dietitians sorry so, sorry yeah. the dietitians are very serious yeah I was just talking about like, oh, wow, like, <laughs> no it's just the saints they're not doing no, no, that no, well no. anyway <laughs> so they see that they're not really as highly regarded as they should be so nutrition okay. is really important obviously in performance but the teams themselves might, might not see it and then they might only put their dietitian on for two days a week and they're a really wow. high performing team so it's yeah they were really great to see okay yeah. um okay well the, uh, just a i guess another random question but uh, do, do you know many of the dietitians not just i guess in in afl but in any um or know of any of the the high sport teams dietitians and I guess that any teams that are doing well, do you know if one of their focuses might be on more the nutrition side for their players? Like, have you heard or seen of any of I that? haven't heard. So I met a few people down at that course, like I said, who were um, like the Broncos dietitian. I met her. She's obviously based here. I think they're all trying to... I think Melbourne Storm do it quite well. I've heard that they're quite okay. um, regimented in the nutrition, take it quite seriously a few years ago when they were doing quite well. Yep. Um, I don't really know specifically now, yep. but I think every dietitian who 
is able to be in a team is trying to improve it a little bit even if it's just to get the guys to take you know maybe don't have all those recovery drinks you know post game because it's not going to help your performance just little tiny things that might be able to help their performance at a higher level and trying to get them to see that it really is important and they can it really does make their performance a lot better yeah yeah i guess it's probably hard as well when you know if they do have a whole fridge filled with gatorade because gatorade's one of the yeah. major sponsors yep. like it can be tough and it would be pretty bad if they were a major sponsor of the team and none of their players yeah, exactly. as well yep. so i guess f- from a monetary point of view for the club and for the s- sponsor yeah it would be important that they are seen doing that but it's quite interesting um hearing about that if you if you were able to, is there any particular sporting team or anyone that you would like to work with? Like, so if you just could just rock up to I'd work probably, the next day and it'd be anyone? True. I probably like the AFL. Okay. I've just grown up a little bit. My mom's from Melbourne, so I know a little bit more about the game. And I love how there's different types of players who have different energy requirements. Like, yep. obviously, a, a Ruckman's different to, like, a forward. Yep. I think I'm just more comfortable with that sport uh, as opposed to, like, league or union. I'm not really good on the rules, so I wouldn't be able to make great recommendations <laughs> as of yet. <laughs> um, I do like individual sports too. So, like endurance or triathlons or people that's a really interesting one obviously because there's three types of um like legs in the triathlon and you've got to find times to be able to feel correctly and it's just a little bit more tricky and a bit more of a mind game i guess it's like a bit of a puzzle which i find quite interesting so if i have any friends who want some triathlon advice (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. okay wow that's um that's awesome um i guess as well if you were to for everyone else uh, that's listening, if you were trying to break into, um, if sporting teams were your be-all and end-all goal, yep. what would you almost recommend Like, would be a, a pretty good way to go? Like, So starting from finishing your master's, yep. and then where would you almost recommend that they kind of start to push towards? Yeah, so finishing your dietetics, I would be looking towards doing sports dietetics, obviously. Um, when you finish being a dietitian, you have to get a mentor. So for the points that we were talking about previously, I'd be getting a mentor in sports dietetics, even putting forward your name for like lower tier teams or local teams that might not even um, have a dietitian. So they're always, so you're obviously a qualified dietitian. Maybe it's not sports as of yet, but you can always offer advice. So just getting in, putting your face around some places that you'd like to be um, in the sports that you'd like, obviously doing your sports course and then through their contacts. So meeting all the lecturers like we spend a few days down there and you get to know everybody so just putting your feelers out even if it's not a paid gig because it won't be even as i said the st kilda dietitians aren't full-time so it's really hard to be at that top level and be there full-time and get paid so even you've got to sacrifice a bit maybe use it as a bit of a like a passion project on the side while you're still working try and get it try and get your name in there um and try and go in that way yeah Yeah. for me it would be almost like if you were working at a sports team and it were one or two days a week it's having that associated with your name yeah should draw automatically i would think people that are trying to break in to uh getting into the draft in afl you would go seek one of the dietitians just like you would go seek seek a strength or performance coach as well yeah um, so that that's how I would see it. I don't know how it works in, in the dietetics yeah. industry, but yeah, definitely being able to associate your name with a sporting team or yep. at least a, a semi-professional. And probably find your niche as well. So for instance, mine's not quite specific because I do a bit of everything, but if you're seen as like, for instance, 
so one of my friends is actually a dietitian for jockeys, only jockeys. Okay. So she helps them make weight. And so I know if I have anyone that asks about jockeys, I send them to her. So just sort is, of... Is that a common question? Uh, no, but <laughs> <laughs> it has come up once. And I said, okay. I do know somebody. So I think being really dialed down in your niche. So yep. you can even get super specific. Like I specialize in Olympic um, lifting, whatever it is. Or I yep. specialize in only women's AFL so being yeah. the person like you're saying be associated like I am the person for this yeah. and then hopefully that's giving you more brand recognition when people want to sort sort you out they can do that through there awesome um, and just so I just want to touch on social media so when you from the time you started just playing around with your account or create not playing around sorry creating your account when you were doing uh, or when you were in uni to the time where let's call it a consistent income mm-hmm. came through what was the time span there people Ish. often think that it's really quickly but it's not yeah. so i would even put it on five six years wow, okay. so i when i started my my first degree this was probably eight years ago or so and then i was just doing stuff just for myself for the fun of it might put a recipe up on a blog yep. something really small and then I would say a few years later, I hit about 10,000 followers on Instagram. Okay. And that's when people, it shouldn't be, but people start recognizing you when you have a higher following. Yeah. Like that, I think that's just what happens in the yeah. industry. And then from there to where I am now at about 20,000, it's been a few more years. But now I do get, I'm sort of seen as someone that has a bit more sway in the in the industry i guess i get yep. contacted by like the association and i get contacted to come on panels so it's been a few years but now it's quite consistent because i've been consistent okay yeah um what do you feel or when do you feel the turning point in social media was was it the ten thousand? or yeah. it was so that was definitely like as soon as you hit that it was kind of like yeah i think hot yeah fast. i think also a personal mindset change as well from almost thinking about what I'm posting and why. So for instance, I used to post just a photo of a coffee and cause that's what I'm doing. Yeah. But then now I'd be okay. So what is someone getting out of that? Looking at my photo of a coffee, probably nothing. So what's the value that I'm giving them? Probably yeah. nothing. So I think that mindset change, which may have been a bit after 10,000, but what is someone getting value or what am I asking them to do from this? Or am I just wasting time, you know, posting a photo of nothing? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Um, it was funny because Liz mentioned something the other day about that yeah. um, on the podcast as well. <laughs> she, uh, she posted, uh, what was her favorite thing? Uh, Avo and Vegemite on toast, oh, is it? Did she say what I said to yeah. her? Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, take that down immediately. It looks terrible. I messaged her and I was like, Liz, get rid of that. Sorry. <laughs> and she's like, I agree totally. So I think just being harsh with each other is good too. <laughs> yeah. Well, she appreciated, she appreciated yeah. the honesty. Um, That's good. So that was good. Yeah, I had a, a bit of a laugh because, uh, yeah, it looks disgusting. <laughs> did she show delicious. you the photo? No, she didn't. Right. But I can already imagine what it looks yeah. like. It was like a good attempt, but she could do... I know she has so much more better content, so I'm yeah. like, just say that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, very good. All right, uh, Claude, so we're going to get into uh, our final questions. Cool. Um, so this is just what I ask everyone at the end. So what would? what's your morning routine? Or if you don't have a morning routine, what is something that you do every day to ensure a successful or productive day? Yep, so I work a lot from home or from different 
various places. So I start by getting up relatively early. So I'm going to say that's about, I don't know, six-ish. Okay. Take my dog for a walk to the cafe down the road. And so every morning I would take him for a walk, get a coffee, go take him to the dog park, and I start listening to podcasts. And so normally if I'm feeling, it could be a health podcast, could be like a comedy, something just to start my day and I feel like that's a really good way to you know get some sunshine start my day positively have a coffee obviously um, walk my dog and then I'll start thinking about what I've got to do for the day Um, normally go to the gym around that time too and then so come home and start the day Um, other tips of productivity I have a really big whiteboard at home and so I because I have a lot of different jobs I need to be writing down where I or what I've got to do or what's coming up so I categorize things from urgent to not urgent. Yep. And so I'll have all my really urgent things for the week, uh, like outcome things to do or content to create or things to do, and then less urgent. So things that are just in my mind, maybe ideas as well. So things that are just ticking over that I'll get to later. And yep. so I'll come home and then make myself a meal and then start with my more urgent things for the day. And because I work from home, I try not to get overwhelmed and do it all. Like it can be a bit, I'm sure you know, you know, doing your own business as well. Yep. You can feel like you've got to do it all in that one day. Yeah. So I try and limit myself, do the really urgent stuff, and then um, in the afternoon sort of switch off and fully not do any more work. So it's a good way to go. Perfect. Yeah. Um, what has been the most, or oh, sorry, what has been, what is your most favorite activity to do? So um, I guess you, you and Liz were kind of the only ones so far that are outside the fitness industry more into health and wellness mm-hmm. but I guess we all kind of mix together but what, what's your most favorite path pastime activity um pastime as in does it have to be fitness related no it can be anything I like watching comedy shows stand-up okay. comedy yeah I yeah. love it it keeps me in a really good mood I like watching I don't know I just it's like a niche that I'm really interested in yeah like something to do to switch off fully so yeah. like the guys on Netflix and all of that yeah so like Netflix all of the you know Joe Rogan Ari Shafir yeah. Tom Segura I I'm, love Tom Segura he's so yeah. good I'm recently on to Theo Vaughn okay Theo Vaughn yeah so that's something that's a little bit random that I like to do I'm just interested nice yeah. oh, so dirty Tom Segura was meant to be playing last year at the Tivoli but he ended up oh, cancelling did he the whole um, Australia tour yeah no 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 so just the Tivoli so right. just Brisbane <laughs> I was because I, I bought his tickets while yep. I was sitting in San Fran at the time oh. and I saw him like came up on Instagram yep. I was just like yes I'm getting two <laughs> the like, Tiv oh, <laughs> yeah and then yeah got a, a refund like not too long later saying oh yeah it's been cancelled and I was heartbroken dirty I find him hilarious he's so good he's yep. very clever yeah. Jim Gaffigan as well I love him for his dry humour like yep. he never swears yep. I went and saw him live he was pretty good he's very good yeah that's awesome uh, comedy um, okay so who do you feel outside of your family has had the most major impact in your life um, I would say people who have been my managers I guess or okay. work in like my work line so um, I wouldn't even call them mentors, but a few people who I work with at Fitstop, they're quite motivating and inspirational. Um, also in the hospital, I've had some really cool line managers who are just, I don't know, just that step above or what, where you see yourself to be. Um, also, even people from Fitstop, like lots of my friends are quite inspirational wow. with, without meaning to be. Like Liz, for example, like yep. she, even though she's younger, she's like got her head switched on and she just you know really knows what she wants to do so she's quite inspirational it's good to be hanging around people like that that really want you to do well they're not you know jealous of what you do or like they want you to succeed so I feel like having a group of friends like that too awesome yeah 
Yeah, that's really good. She's crazy for a twenty-one-year-old. Yes. How, like, how straight and I narrow often she forget, is. but yeah. Yeah, it was insane. When she told me she was twenty-one, the other day, I was like, "What?" I think she's twenty-two now, but let's just ask her. I think, oh, yeah, I think she said twenty-one. On the oh, podcast. did she? Right. So unless she, unless Sorry, Liz. Sorry, Liz. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you feel has been one of the biggest obstacles you've had to overcome in your life? Um, obstacles, I would say probably a health one. So I didn't really touch on it, but when I went through uni and my first degree, I got um, really, really sick and I got an autoimmune disease. Wow. And so that was just from being stressed out and working crazy hours and all that sort of fun stuff. And so I think personally overcoming that, like I was potentially going to be really sick, um, for a long time and have this chronic disease but now i'm pretty well like symptom free don't really have it anymore wow. and so i feel like per- personally that's been a really big thing to overcome like thinking i could have had this thing for my life and been quite sick forever mm-hmm. whereas i've changed my diet and my stress and all this stuff to pretty well get over it yeah that's awesome and did you find i mean conveniently studying oh, nutrition yeah. yep. like so did you find that that was really helping as well so yeah as your knowledge grew you were able to actively stay on top of it yep it was really good and i think being open and even though i study it being open to trying new things so like yep. that's where more of the natural side came in um because it's not you know that really helped me as well like with herbs and seeing a naturopath so i'm yeah, not okay. so straight and narrow on just you know conventional medicine so i think that helped as well awesome yeah um so this is um, one of my favorites. So what has been, and we, we kind of touched on it recently, but this can be anything. So it doesn't just have to be in the realm of nutrition mm-hmm. and dietetics, but what has been your greatest recent mindset change in terms of um, believing one thing and have always stuck to that and then recently it's changed or maybe you've read a study something has come up and you're just like, huh, so your way of thinking has changed from that. Uh, that's a tough one. I think I, it'd have to be health related because that's my realm. Probably the saying like less is more. And okay. so that can be with everything. So for instance, with fitness, I used to think, oh, I have to do five sessions a week and I have to go hard out and I have to smash myself. Yep. But even with that and with nutrition and with stress, like less really is a lot better. So you've got to do a bit of, exercise but also do that preventative stuff as well and I feel like that mindset change of don't stress yourself out every day and try and do everything that you have to do and give yourself a break it's quite as important as doing those things as well so almost that opposite like actually forcing myself to rest awesome yeah cool and so lastly this is just some recommendations if you want to give any um so any uh podcast book youtube influencer that you would like to uh, recommend or and or any quotes? Oh, I'm, not a, a, lot in I'm there. not a quote type person. No, neither am I. <laughs> There's a podcast actually similar to your name. It's called ATP Science. Do you yep. know those guys? I Supplement do. guys? Yep. So th- I really like their stuff because they kind of, they're really knowledgeable, but then they bring it back down to more of a lay person. Yep. And so even though some stuff they say, I don't understand at all, like their pathways and bio. Yep chemistry but they really go into a nice way of explaining things so i think if you're a health type person or even if you're quite a conventional like medicine person you want to know more about natural type therapies they're a really good place to start because they sort of cross over um other places that i go oh the comedy guys i talked about before if you want to de-stress but besides that that's my my few go-to's Okay. Yeah. Um, what about, is it, are you much of a YouTube watcher? I guess 
any content on there that you recommend? Not really? Not at the moment, yeah. no. Um, what about any uh, influences? So in terms of other uh, dietitians that you might follow or like to recommend? There's a few on Instagram. I think my, if you did go to my Instagram and had a look who I follow, I think it's only about 150 people. So I do that on purpose because I don't want to be influenced by people who I don't really believe are with my brand. So I keep it nice and short and there's lots of people on there who I really believe what they do. So one lady springs to mind, Nadia Felch. And she's a nutritionist, I think, in Sydney. Um, Live in Bondi. I've met her before. She's a recipe developer, nutritionist as well. And so these are all just really good holistic practitioners. And I think we have a very similar vibe. Um, Not too regimented, not, you know, quite holistic and and doing all that fun stuff. Awesome. Um, Are there any plugs that you want to give to anyone or other brands at the moment that you're working with? Um, I'm working with... At the moment, Prana is a really good brand I work with, the supplement um, protein company. So I've worked with them for a little while, just personally, like more of a plant-based protein. But besides that, not really. Mostly it's on my Instagram. If I work with someone, then I'll be showcasing it there. Cool. All right. And uh, where can we find you? Time to plug yourself. Sure. Okay. So Instagram's where I am mostly. So just at Claudia Kramer Dietitian, which yep. is a very easy name. Um, then I have a Facebook as well, same name. And then everything else so um, is on my website. So recipes, blogs, uh, links to book in for a consult. That's all on www.ccdietitian.com. Okay, easy, cool. Alrighty, we'll have all those in the notes as well, guys. Um, So you can find that all there. But, Claudia, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, It's been really good getting uh, a ton of information there, (laughs) which is good. Sorry. uh, No, 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 don't be sorry. It's really good. So thank you so much uh, for coming on. And uh, it'll be good, I think, to get you and Liz on a little bit down the track, more opinion-based questions being thrown at you. Um, and we'll get some uh, people off social media with their questions as awesome. well for you two guys. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's been great. All righty. Catch you later. Thank you.